to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cutback. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Even though the 49ers have the week off, we don't. They only have 41 players on the roster. We don't need 41 to show you that we are a dominant force in this season, and we're going to be giving you the awards for the halfway point of the season. Yeah, I'm really excited to point out to you guys who stood out, who hasn't, and um, maybe a couple surprises for you guys. Maybe you guys think different. We'll see. Hopefully we don't think too different, but I think everyone's got their own spin on what this team has brought to the table, what players have brought what to the table, who's been playing well, who hasn't. And we also got some bold predictions coming up on the rest of the season and what's going to pan out. And they're really bold. They're super bold. Let's get started, though, with this. Mid-season MVPs, guys. Who is the most valuable player on the 49ers to the halfway point, Ant? I think there's, like, so many choices, (laughs) you know. Um... No, I mean, when when you just hear MVP for the 49ers, I think one name sticks out above all the rest, especially this year. And I will be really shocked if anyone thinks that it's anyone other than all-pro Fred Warner. It's definitely all-pro Fred. He has had a fantastic year. He has proven himself to be the best middle linebacker in football. I think everyone sees it now. So I don't think there's going to be any question. This guy is the man. Buy your 54 jerseys. He's going to be a 49er for a long time. Yeah, I also went with Fred Warner. Fred Warner's clear-cut choice to me. He's everywhere on defense. He leads the team, and he leads them in play. So he's an off-the-field leader, plus he's their best player on the field. He's all over making plays, making tackles. He even has two picks. He's um, Aaron Rodgers acknowledged it a couple weeks ago, but told Fred Warner to his face he's the best linebacker that he's seen on film, and I agree. 100%. There's no, there's no arguing that here on this podcast. We're all in agreement. All-Pro Fred is the MVP of this team. It's not very often that you see middle linebackers or just defensive players being that for teams. You know, There's a few names that come to mind, and ironically, they're former 49ers linebackers or guys like Ray Lewis who are all, all Hall of Fame all-time greats. Fred Warner is trending in that direction this season already at the halfway point through eight games, had 57 tackles. He's already on pace to break um, his all-time, his record for his in his career for tackles in a season, which is 109. The horse had talked about, he's got three pass defense, he's got two interceptions. Um, he's improving every aspect of his game each and every week, each and every season. This guy is going to be a force to reckon with for a long time. After what Horst said in his comments about him being everywhere, I'd like to add another nickname. Can we call him Omnipresent Horst? Omnipresent Fred. Omnipresent Fred. I like it. Omnipresent Fred. OPF. You heard it here first, (laughs) folks. Omnipresent Fred is a thing, and it's going to be a thing for a long time. I won't be calling him anything else. All right. Omnipresent Fred. But we need to know about some of these other player awards that are going to be happening. Horst, when you're looking at the offense, who is the offensive player of the year? Who do you think's uh, been had the most impact on the 49ers uh, through these games? You know, the 49ers offense has had a lot of turmoil, a lot of injuries this what? year. No so way. Uh, no, there's not really any skill guys that have stood out for the entire season so far. 
So that means I get to pick a big fella. Oh my. I'm, and I'm gonna, shocked. And I'm going to go with big Trent Williams over there at left tackle. I feel shocked. Um, since, the, since the Dolphins game, he's been the number one graded left tackle in all of football. He hasn't allowed a pressure since that game. So that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. He's dominant in the run game. He's dominant in the pass game. He's probably the best left tackle in football. And I think he's definitely been the most consistent 49er offensive player. Because you saw in which the one game he missed for COVID reasons, the difference between him and Justin School is massive. It is gigantic. I have to disagree with you here, though, in terms of the midseason Offensive Player of the Year. And, and the Disagreement. Reason, the reason I have to disagree what? <laughs> is solely based on the fact that no one really thought this guy at the start of the year was going to have big production. Yes, Debo was out. We still had Kittle. You were going to rely heavily on Raheem Mostert in the run game. And while the offense of the offensive line has struggled this year, Ayuk has not really struggled. He has just slowly improved each and every week. 35 catches, 446 yards. He's got the three tutties. Um, you can see the involvement in the pass game increasing each and every week. He's showing how dynamic and diverse he is as a route runner and a pass catcher. Um, it, it, using him slightly in the run game, not that often. They have tried to a few times, and they've been disastrous plays that never should have even been run in the first place. Quarterback should be checking out of them. Um, Brandon Ayuk has been the surprise of this team, and I would have given him the, the rookie award that we have coming up later, but I feel in terms of offensively what he's brought to the table with Kittle being out, Raheem Mostert not being healthy, and no Jimmy Garoppolo, it is exactly what this team needed at the right time with all the injuries. You just got to keep him off the COVID list. <laughs> just yeah. just that. Can't get the ball to a receiver if the left tackle doesn't block. That's very true, Horse. Um, you know, that's a good choice. I think you guys both had good choices, and you, know, you could argue all day about who it's going to be. Um, I went with George Kittle. Uh, he played in the same amount of games as Brandon Ayuk this season. Right. So you got that. He's had the most production of any of these guys. You know, over 474 yards, 37 catches. He's had a great season. I think we're look if if he wasn't going to be out, I think we'd have a different opinion on him already. Right. If he was going to be playing, but I think the impact that he's had, he's still the people's tight end, and when he was playing, I think that he had just a tremendous effect on the offense and the energy and things that they had going for them is just through the roof. So I'm still going to go with him. I understand why you guys went with who you went with, and they're absolutely great choices. And I could have landed on either one of them too. I just decided to go with Mr. Kittle. That's a solid choice. He, he played great when he was playing. Yeah. Um. So next up will be our defensive player of the year, Alex. All right, we're going to me already. My word, defensive player of the year. I don't want to give it to the guy I gave MVP to. I, I want to highlight someone else. And I have a feeling there's going to be some unanimous consensus on this as well. It's surprising. It's almost like the 49 defense is playing really well. And there's two guys who stood out. It's Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett is my midseason defensive player of the year. Obviously, if you if you can't give it to Warner, you have to give it to the guy who has stepped up and played lights out at the cornerback position with three guys who were supposed to be either starters or competing for starting jobs, Emmanuel Mosley and Akilah Witherspoon going down, and Jason Brett stepping in with all the injury history, with all the doubters, with all the people, Grant Cohn, saying, we didn't address the cornerback issue in the offseason, this is going to be a big issue and a big problem, blah, 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 blah. Jason Verrett has shown exactly why they didn't address the cornerback issue in the offseason because they had complete faith that this guy was not only going to return to form, 
but literally, I mean, play at the level Richard Sherman was playing at when we brought him in. He's been absolute lockdown. He doesn't get beat. Everything stays in front of him. He still has the elite speed. He's not getting beat over the top. He's making plays all over the field. The guy has been lights out and shut down at the corner position, and it couldn't have come at a bigger and more crucial time than after that Dolphins game. <laughs> that Dolphins game and the trash can was out there playing DB was not good, and thank God we had at least one side of the field locked down because it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, when you look at the team this year, um, through the first part of the season, we have two pro bowlers on defense, and they are Fred Warner, who got the MVP, and Jason Verrett at corner. If Jason Verrett would not have came back when he came back, he was not on this team, they would be in a serious world of hurt. This guy is fantastic. He drives on the ball so well. Um, all the things that we saw that were wrong last year are not wrong. He's finally right. Makes me wish that we had this Verrett last year. If we did, I'm pretty sure we would be Super Bowl champions and Kansas City would have been uh, taking a big fat L because he's fantastic. He's always in the right spot. Even when somebody uh, gets a catches a ball on him, he's always right there. He's fantastic, physical, making tackles, um, which is something I really like. He gets into it. He makes plays. So I think Jason Brett is the obvious choice um, for this. Um, I think if we'd had a better performer on offense, there might have been a bigger argument for you know the defense and MVP and all that. But we haven't. So, but Jason Brett, I love it. I can't wait to see what he does the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm going to make that unanimous. Uh, Jason Verrett's playing outstanding football. If they, like you guys have said, if they did not have Jason Verrett right now, they'd be in some trouble. Yep. Um, can't wait to see him and Uncle Sherm together here after the bye, hopefully. <laughs> yep. That's going to be a nice, scary tandem. And hopefully Jason Verrett maintains being on the 49ers beyond this year. If you enjoy our choices so far, let us know. Also, scroll down, subscribe, hit the notification bell, like, and comment. We'll talk back. If you disagree with our choices or agree with our choices throughout the rest of the episode, let us know. Let us know if we missed someone. Definitely. We just want to know what you think. We definitely we definitely didn't miss anybody. Not, not with these ones. No. I only doubt it. But now, one that could be a little bit of a toss-up in the air. This one will vary a little bit. Mid-season rookie. Okay, which rookie has stood out so far halfway through the season, Anthony? Uh, it's real simple. It's Brandon Ayuk. I mean, with me going with George Kittle on offense, Brandon Ayuk is the easy choice. He's outplayed all the rest of the rookies on the team, and really it's him versus Kinlaw, and I think that he's outplayed Kinlaw, even though Kinlaw's played well, especially he's coming on as of late. But I think Brandon Ayuk's uh, effect that he's had in the offense, it's obvious he can get open. Um, he runs great routes. Everything that uh, Shanahan was excited about after the draft has been very apparent this season. Um, he's only going to get better. His his uh, reach and stretch that he has for the ball is crazy. He's got good hands. I think he's going to be a big-time player. And I think the 49ers, um, people that doubted them moving up to get him, now they're going to look back and be like, you know what, Brian Ayuk was a great choice. And I think he's going to eventually outpace a lot of the guys that were taken ahead of him. So uh, big time for the 49ers. I can't wait to see what happens when... We finally get everyone in the lineup. At least, at least let's get Debo back. Absolutely. Yeah, I also agree with uh, Brandon Ayuk as my rookie of the year. Huge offensive impact in six games. He's had 35 catches for 446 yards and three touchdowns. That's fantastic production for a rookie. Like you said, the only other guy that could really boil down to is Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw is playing well for a rookie defensive tackle, despite what 
people in the media tell you he is playing well, but Ayuk has been special when he's been on the field and healthy. And I'm really looking forward to see what he can do. Hopefully, he stays healthy the second half of the season, and we can get a full eight or uh, how many? Six games. six games left here of uh, a healthy Brandon Ayuk to see what he can do. Absolutely, but I already picked him as my offensive player of the year, so I have to go with Javon Kinlaw. Uh, the the 22 tackles, one and a half sacks. He just is now starting to put up the sack numbers the last few games, which is a great thing to see. Now, 10 games into the season, that he's starting to get pressure on passing downs. Uh, we were kind of hoping Tack McKinley signing was going to work out and Kinlock could get might some rest. Still. It still might. We They are still interested. It seems like they still want him. Uh, but he's got to get that hamstring good and, good and ready to go and ready to play and be on the field. Uh, but in the run game, the guy's been phenomenal. He plugs up holes. He doesn't really get driven back very often. He's always in the right position to make plays. And with time, this guy's going to be an absolute monster. Yes, we're going to miss DeForest Buckner short term, but long term. The sky's the limit for this kid. This kid's going to have an incredible career here in San Francisco. I was pretty shocked you didn't go with Colton McKivitz. So. Oh, you know, I thought about it, but, you know, at the end of the day, got to have a bigger sample of work. Than like know. six plays? Yeah, six plays. For some reason, it's just it's just not enough. I'm, I'm surprised by that. And now we're going to be talking about the biggest newcomer. Who has made the biggest impact that is new to this 49ers franchise? Horst, who are you looking at? Uh, my guy is, I think there's probably at least one other person in here has picked him, if not both of you. He's a guy that was not a high-profile signing. Um, they got him very cheap. I think he was supposed to be about their fourth DN on the depth chart. Oh, I thought you were going to say Tom Compton. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And he's come in. Chris Kacerik told us all in the during training camp that he was going to be good, and I don't think a lot of people listen. Kerry Hyder has come in and... Even in the first game when he was a backup and didn't play a whole lot of snaps, made a couple plays, and ever since then, unfortunately due to injuries, he's played a whole lot and he's produced a lot. He's got five and a half sacks. Um, he's constantly getting in the backfield. He's played solid against the run. He is having himself a heck of a year and lining himself up for a really nice paycheck. A big time paycheck, but for me, the, the newcomer, to the San Francisco 49ers team is definitely the injury bug, guys. The injury bug has done incredible numbers and stats, like 21 guys on IR, like seven or eight start. Oh, real player. Oh, we're going with real player. Uh, it's going to have to be Kerry Hyder also, of course. You, you took it right from me. Uh, the, the five and a half sacks for this man has been incredible. He has been a bright spot in the D-line and with this, this defensive front. Uh, I don't think anyone really expected him to put up the numbers that he's putting. I think we all kind of hoped we'd get a few sacks out of him. Um, but the fact that he's pretty much every other game now getting a sack or in the backfield, he's created a lot of pressures. He's been the guy who's probably created the most pressures other than maybe Armstead, maybe, uh, on this roster and with this team. Uh, like Horst said, the big thing for him was the contract. What we got him for, what we've gotten out of him has been huge. He's definitely going to get paid. I hope maybe it's in San Francisco and he can be a part of the rotation, but the likelihood of us being able to afford to pay a guy who's going to be a fifth or sixth guy in the rotation once all these guys are healthy is unlikely. So future is bright for Kerry Hyder. I hope he continues to work out, but I hope he realizes that a lot of his success has been due to being with Kacerik, and he's willing to take a little bit of a you know, friendly discount to be around. Yeah, we can hope that. You know, um, I definitely think that it's also Kerry Hyder. Uh, he's played 
fantastic this season. Um, I can't believe where the 49ers would be without him. Um, he went from being a great rotational piece that would have given great rest to Nick Bosa and D. Ford and, and Eric Armstead to being somebody that we expected to be out there and actually playing the best on the defensive line. I think he's benefited a lot from Eric Armstead getting some double teams and stuff like that, but he's taking advantage of it. Um, Chris Kacarek definitely knew this guy fit his system. He's had very good success every time he's played for Kacarek. So I, I look for them to want to keep that together. I think they can come with some sort of a mutual um, understanding on money. If he just looks to get a payout, he'll get a decent one, but the production will go down. If he's smart, maybe he takes a one, two-year deal, finds out what kind of production he can get in the next couple of years. But I think it would benefit him to come back to San Francisco, uh, especially with Bosa returning and you know that team getting healthy. I think he can make a big impact. And I'm curious if the next six games, if he doesn't reach that double digit in sacks, if he can get the double digit sacks, I mean, that'd be a huge, a huge statement for him, a huge statement for Chris Kacarek. Um, Also, the continued development of the rest of the guys. I think it's going to be big. Absolutely. Big time Kerry Hyder making big time plays all season long. That's right. Wow, that's really long. <laughs> Whoa. 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 All right, so now it's time for our mid-season Wow, That's Bold. Since this is such a big episode, we're each going to have two. So, right. Alex, give me your first one. Two Wow, That's Bolds? Oh, my gosh, I almost wasn't prepared. I'm going to start with my bold prediction for the 49ers. That's non-record-based. I don't want to talk about record yet. The 49ers, which currently are sitting, I think, at around 19th, 20th in the league in rushing yards, somewhere in there, are going to finish the year in the top eight Woo. in rushing yards with the return with the return of Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Jeff Wilson Jr. leading the leading the way for this group. Yeah, my wow that's bold is also offense based, and that is that the 49ers are going to average 28 points a game over the next six weeks of the season. Because Debo Samuel's back, Raheem Mostert's back, the offense is going to change fundamentally. A, a healthy Jordan Reed and Nick Mullins is going to be successful because of the new game plan and the new way they're able to play. And I say they're going to average 28 points. You sure Nick Mullins is going to be playing quarterback? It's not going to be well, Joe, Joe Montana? At, at some point it's going to become Jim Jim Garoppolo or James as, as Grant Cohn likes to call him. But yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo will come back at some point. But I think Mullins is going to have some early success. That is 168 points. He does math on this show. Matt, really I'm good funny, at it. so it must be true. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez um, I'm going to go with my record-based one first just to be different. Oh. And weird. mine is that the 49ers will finish 500 or better. 500 or better. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty bold. My, my prediction is actually that the 49ers are going to finish one game above 500. They're going to get five wins in the season, finish, finish the year off, Nine and seven, right in contention for the playoffs. They may get there, they may not. It really just depends on if the NFL and Goodell decides to just get rid of that conference with all those teams they're, who are probably going to win five games. Uh, they just need to just blow it up. It's not it just needs to go away. They just need to not exist anymore. Um, my wow, that's bold. Is that the 49ers over the next six games will either go between three and three or six and zero. Whoa! That's no, really bold. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not. No sliding scales. No sliding we don't scales. do sliding scales on this show. Do I will say this. I think the 49ers 
will go at least four and two over the last six games. I'm saying at least four and two because I believe that they have games they can win. I think they can beat the Rams. I think that they can definitely beat the football team, Cowboys. beat the Cowboys, and I think they can pull off another win against the uh, NFC West, either the Seahawks or Cardinals. That's where I think they can get to at least four and two. I'm hoping for more, but I think they can do it. So we almost said the same thing. Right? Nice. It's close. All right. Um, my other wow that's bold is that Brandon Ayuk will pass 1,000 yards receiving Ooh. by the end of the year. I think he's really going to have some big games here down the stretch. Wow. That's really bold. That's he would bold. need to average right around 90 yards a game. You do that. It's completely doable. Throw him right, the ball like 30. Down. Are you his dad if, or if, what? Yeah, basically. If James is back, it's really doable. It's well, really he's doable. going 1,500 if James is back. Oh, yeah. jeez. Oh, You're saying 1,000 if it's just Mullins. He just took it up like to a 50 on the... That's, that's really bold. That's, that's the bold a joke scale. out there, ladies and gentlemen. Calm down. Really bold. Whoa. Whoa. Super bold. Whoa. Make sure to check out Friday's show. We'll be doing the preview for the 49ers versus the Rams. Man. I'm sure you're going to be full on mashed taters and turkey and all that good stuff. Check it out. It'll be airing at 5.30 Pacific. And we'll let you know what the 49ers need to do to finish this stretch and get to the playoffs. Hopefully they can get it done, and we're going to let you know all the key matchups that you need to know so you will be ready when the game comes on. Got to be ready. Yeah, this is, a, this is a big stretch here. It's They're going to have a lot of their bullets back in the chamber here, so hopefully they can come out and make a statement. Even if they don't make the playoffs, that's asking a lot for them to make the playoffs, but even for them just to come out and show that everyone better be scared next year, that when they have their full um, – Arsenal, that they're still a terrifying team. 100%. They're a terrifying team right now. The fact that they have four wins on the season, given everything that's happened, given the amount of injuries, uh, the fact that apparently COVID has decided to just infest the team the last couple of weeks and just get key guys out of games in which we need we need them desperately because of the injuries. Um, they have somehow managed to be competitive in pretty much every game that they've played this season. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I think with the health turning our tide and, and coming in favor of us here down the stretch that a lot of these close games at the beginning of the season that were losses and some of that was due to injury and some of it was due to just rust of not playing preseason games is going to end up bending in our favor. I think games like the Cardinals, which we lost early on in the season, lean towards us being able to pull those out if all these pieces are healthy, especially with the way the, the Cardinals offense has started in games and how slow they've been. been. We have shown that over time, as the games progress, our defense tends to tighten up and get a little bit better. Whereas the Cardinals' offense has shown that early on they struggle. And if they struggle early against us and the defense gets into a rhythm in the zone, especially with Uncle Trim hopefully coming back, as Horse so lovingly put it, they're going to be having a really hard time getting their guys open in space. Yeah, there's going to be an emergence of that secondary. Um, I think Tarverius Moore playing uh, will help big. And Sherm coming back and solidifying the corner spot, uh, that's going to be really nice. Uh, also, Marcel Harris possibly playing more in the box, playing a more three-safety look, um, pulling Al Shire off the field more. Um, also, Nickel looks possibly playing Marcel Harris in coverage instead of uh, Dre Greenlaw. I think those are going to be uh, big things to watch. But Alex, i got to tell you, I read something. Uh, the 49ers worked out Sean Poindexter this week amongst a, a bunch of other guys, including a quarterback. But I just thought was I would it throw Brock that. Reuter? It was not Brock Reuter. Thank God. But I thought I would throw that out there because I know you like yourself some Sean Poindex. Hey, uh, hey, everybody! The guy from Dallas. 
like the TV show? No. Um, <laughs> what was that quarterback's name? Steve? No, you Denucci. Was it Ben Denucci? It was not Ben Denucci. It. it wasn't Ben Denucci. I just want to point out, I will take credit if they sign Sean Poindexter to the active roster, that my wow that's bold prediction from the regulars from the preseason ends up being accurate just like eleven weeks later. I told you so. And in all seriousness, I know this sounds like football cliche, but right now the Niners are kind of in the wounded animal situation. And there's nothing more dangerous than that than a team that has nothing they have to give everything they have every week to make it. And that makes them dangerous. Yeah. Somewhere. As my legendary high school coach so eloquently put it. You guys were always in danger. We were always in danger. <laughs> we, we really we really were. What's up, coach? How you doing? Yeah, I, I think the the end of this last six is going to be really fun to watch. What the 49ers do is on offense, especially with the emergence of the, the new players. Brandon, you're adding an extra weapon that they definitely didn't have last year is a major upgrade over Emmanuel Sanders. So I think that's big. Debo Samuel coming how back. Dare you. I'm sorry, I, I just tell it like it is. I, apparently Emmanuel Sanders likes catching punts from uh Taysom Hill because that's what they look like. <laughs> straight aerial shots way back there. He's going and making catches. So um I think that this is gonna be cool to watch. And Raheem Mostert is going to fundamentally change the 49ers run game. And Debo Samuel will change the pass game, and that could be just enough to get the 49ers the wins they need to get to the playoffs. Horse is writing something down. He's definitely got something Uh-oh. big. Oh boy. Yeah, we're we're waiting for this. this insert is- insert dramatic music editor. That needs to get cut. You couldn't see it. <laughs> Let's just the... say that needs to get cut. Just kind of, we just you did it's a hundred percent accurate, <laughs> but it needs to get cut. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, don't worry about. It's fine. It's it's fine. The, the only thing you need to be focused on, <laughs> and the only thing you need to be worried about, is our preview show on Friday. Make sure you're here. Tune in. Be ready to go. Be excited. This team is going to not only figure it out, but turn it around. Give everybody faith and hope going into next season. Yep. Whether or not they make the playoffs or not, we're going to show everybody why you, you don't count this team out. Why Shanahan and Lynch have the future of this team not only dialed in, but secured and ready to go and get us back to the Super Bowl in 2021 and i'll tell you right now if we're not going to make the playoffs i want to spoil some people's playoffs hopes arizona seattle rams some rams let's let's force them all washington football team you're not going to win the terrible nfc east you're not going to get the five wins we're going to stop you that's what we're talking about alex smith you're not going to make we're not going to make that he's weak in the leg he's weak in the leg (laughs) sweep the leg Except for another show. We're, we're big Alex Smith fans, right? Yeah, now. yeah we are. I am, but you, you do what you got to do to win the game. It's, it's true. But definitely, thanks for watching the show. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time with your family. It's a special uh, time. It's been a crazy year. Enjoy it. I know we're all going to, and we'll see you on Friday. All right, guys, you know what time it is. Let's chop another one up. Don't forget the Ronies come out after 10. <laughs>
come closer, I'll whisper in your ear. Tell you something you want to hear. No, 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 no. no. Wait, can I can I just know what it's in? I'll tell you. I'll show you in the summer. Oh, okay. Because it'll go show the camera. It, it involves. <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord.